You're listening to Mobility Matters, the official Cardis podcast that brings you the latest trends, insights, and best practices around the state of relocation today. We're here to help you make sense of the intricate world of global talent mobility. Let's get started. and welcome to Mobility Matters, the official Carters podcast. On this episode of Mobility Matters, we're going to be exploring all things tender related, from RFPs and RFIs to pricing grids and everything in between. Joining me today are two tenured Carters directors of Strategic Business Solutions, who have seen their fair share of RFPs over the years. Welcome Karen Marlborough and Ava Norris. Okay, let's dive straight in. Ava, what types of questions are organisations including in tenders today? Are you seeing any trends at the moment in terms of certain topics being covered? Yeah, thanks, Louise. Thanks for having us. Really excited to be here. Um, I mean, I think the number one trend that we are seeing in RFP questions at the moment is around sustainability. Um, It's such a hot topic for pretty much all organizations globally at the moment um, that naturally it is starting to filter through to tender requests and contracts for Um, companies who are wanting to push their supply chain to be more progressive when it comes to sustainability overall. We were actually at a conference last week, and this was a huge topic of conversation around how to improve sustainability in mobility, because by nature, what we do, not the most carbon-friendly thing for the planet. And yet, as organizations are being given these massive kind of carbon neutral um, targets and reducing their carbon footprint targets, this is then flowing down to supply chain. Um, So we're being asked to provide a lot of information around our own sustainability initiatives, um, our own carbon neutral and carbon reduction targets. And we're also pushing our own supply chain to do this. So, you know, it's a trickle down effect, I guess, in that way where... um, we're also pushing our supply chain to understand, you know, especially with shipments. So, um, you know, if we're moving huge volumes of household goods around the world, how are we seeing our own supply chain reduce their carbon footprint in this area? It's a really tricky one because by yeah, by nature, moving goods, again, is not the most carbon neutral thing, but we're seeing a lot of more flexible policy um, administration around this. So giving more options of shipments, We're seeing interesting um, packing materials. I did hear recently about a company in the Netherlands um, that was starting to pack goods with used parachutes, which is interesting. So all the weird and wonderful things that companies are trying to do, we are looking at discard and donate programs. And we we have established a committee within Cardis now to help us attain or achieve our own carbon reduction goals. Another trend I think that we're seeing at the moment is, again, around that flexibility piece. I think um, we've seen the world of work change a lot over the last couple of years. This pandemic has really changed the way that employees are viewing relocation, and they're looking for a lot of flexibility within their own moves. Karen, do you have anything you want to add on this? Thanks, Ava. Um, So I totally agree the sustainability topic is for sure hugely important um, at the moment and is becoming increasingly important. We're seeing a lot more questions on that. Um, And I think that, you know, both procurement and mobility are actually 
pushing that much higher up the agenda in terms of which suppliers to choose. Um, obviously, DE&I, lots more questions on that. And I think um, the other area that we have been asked questions on in the past, but it's becoming more important, is the financial stability um, question because of what's happened with COVID, also the fact that RMCs are having to fund um, mobility programs. So, you know, it's important that we have the, the funding for expenses and rents and um, school fees. So I, I think there's um, also, there continues to be the traditional um, questions so, for example, um, there's always been those questions around um, the services that you provide um, and the scope of those services. But I think there's a slightly different angle on this now where, you know, Ava mentioned um, flexibility um, there. You know, companies are getting used to this changing environment that we're, we're working in and, and varying um demographics of the moving population and they want to make sure that they're choosing companies that have a very wide range of services so not just services that they need at the moment but services that they might want in the future in case their policies change so and also in case they they outsource more services supply chain um again um one of those um sections that has generally been covered in rfps but i think there's more questions about this i think Companies are acknowledging that um, relocation companies do have to outsource, you know, they can't keep everything in-house. Um, but they want to really understand how RMCs are choosing their suppliers, how their suppliers are integrated into um, the, the technology so that they can really see real-time data. And also, I think they're really asking a lot of questions about the performance management of, of those suppliers, um, because obviously this greatly affects their employee satisfaction um, rates. Technology, technology, you know, there's always been questions around technology, but I think um, it's becoming more important, um, particularly the reporting side of the technology. Um, companies are wanting to, you know, see true visibility of their programs and not just of the costs, but, you know, the utilization of services exceptions, you know, satisfaction scores. And then, of course, you know, they want to, to use this information to help make their program better and, um, and stay competitive. And Ava will know this. Um, we've chatted about it lots of times, the importance of the technology um, demonstrations in, in, the, in the presentation stage. So, you know, a lot of companies are actually breaking away the, and having a separate time slot for the, the technology presentation. What else? Thought leadership, lots of questions on that. You know, companies wanting to make sure that they're not just choosing a provider that is offering the logistical side of things, but, you know, a company that is proactive and, you know, can challenge processes and say, you know, is this really working well for you? What about this? This has worked with another company. So they're, they're asking questions about, you know, what we have done to enhance processes and, and what policy recommendations um, we're making. Okay, so I, I can't forget this one. And I say this <laughs> with, a, with a smile on my face because it's definitely um, becoming more prevalent in, in um, the RFPs. So uh, case studies. So we have been 
um, asked lots of questions about case studies in the past. You know, companies have had challenges with specific moves and they ask um, us and other relocation companies how we would deal with that situation. So that's been happening for many years. I think the thing that's changed, though, is we are now being asked to present those case studies in um, presentation form. So those would be what come to mind, um, you know, in terms of trends and and and, and major sections of um, of RFPs. Yeah, actually, um, it made me think of um, another type of question I've seen more recently or more prevalent recently around this open-ended question where you'll get just like tell us what you feel you've been doing that's been very innovative recently or tell us how you think you could improve our program we are seeing a lot more of these really open-ended questions um, which is great actually it gives us an opportunity to think about you know what we feel we've been doing that's really special and unique in the marketplace or things that have really been um, positively affecting our own client base uh, and it allows us to really showcase that um, in a tender response. Um, and I think it's it's nice that companies are giving us a little bit more flexibility when it comes to these types of open-ended questions because, you know, you're always going to get the best out of a company when you give them the opportunity to really showcase what they feel they do really, really well. I love that, Ava. I, I think open-ended questions, a few open-ended questions are absolutely ideal. Um you know, to allow companies to, or suppliers to show their wares and show and, and allow them to shine. And I think, you know, you can still guide um, partners and suppliers and say, you know, keep it to a page or something, but companies can be really creative. Okay, thank you. You're both on the front line, as it were, when it comes to RFP. So it's a good insight into the questions being included at the moment by companies. Let's move on now to some real life examples. Can you share with our audience, please, an experience you had of when an RFP process was really well managed by a prospect organisation? What were some of the things that companies did to ensure the process went so smoothly? Karen, perhaps you'd like to answer first. Thanks, Louise. Um, I think I'll, I'll speak just generally about how some of the better RFPs have been run. And I think the thing that comes to mind, first of all, is... Um, those companies that have done really extensive research on the market prior to the RFP. It's definitely a key uh, element that uh, makes for a successful RFP. Um, And this is where they're really trying to understand what suppliers are out there in the market, what these suppliers have to offer, what really makes them different. And I know it's time consuming, but I think it definitely pays off in the end. And, you know, it's, this can be done instead of an RFI. And I think having informal conversations to get this information is ideal. And, you know, if if companies allow partners, supply partners, truly understand um, their current programs and future goals, current challenges, then I just think you can have a more meaningful conversation and RFP responses can be put together, you know, to really tailored to the specific needs um, of, of, of that company. Um, I think also um, these type of conversations help um, formulate the questions, just make sure that, you know, key areas aren't missed out on. 
The other um, area I'd like to focus on here is um, pricing grids. So, um, and again, you know, this is going to require time prior to the RFP, but, you know, if at all possible, I think it's worth um, having chats or sharing maybe proposed pricing grids with um, one or two um, relocation companies just to have just maybe to chat about the scope of the services, because I think what you want to do is try and reduce the amount of questions that you're getting during the RFP. And sometimes um, relocation companies have very different scopes or ways of pricing things. The other thing I would say on the pricing grids is um, those companies that have made the pricing grids um, a little bit more simple, I think it's benefited them. And when I say simple, I mean, you know, rather than having very complex household goods grids and 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 huge amount of different locations to price for um say dsp services if they just choose their key location then at least it's easier to compare one supplier with the with the next and finally on the the pricing grids i would say if at all possible not to lock the grids because i think sometimes you can um, miss out on some of the assumptions that are made and you're not comparing like with like. So Ava, it would be interesting to get your thoughts on this. So my, my thoughts on a really great RFP process, I think for me, it's when um, a prospect organization is very open with information. I think the more information that you can give your participants around what you're evaluating, what your goals are for the pro um, for the process, um, your policies. I think the more information you can give the participants, the better responses you're going to get. And I think, yeah, in my experience, the best RFP processes have been where we've had really open dialogue, a lot of information sharing. You know, I think most most RMCs provide really kind of well thought out, um, very bespoke tender responses. And the more information we have around, you know, your objectives, why you are going out to bid, what you're hoping to get out of the bid, who your key stakeholders are, the timelines, what your evaluation criteria is, how much you're weighting the different areas, but just being really open with what you are actually trying to get out of the process. Again, I think the more information you give, the more value you are actually going to get as an organization out of the tender responses. Because, you know, you are, it's a vendor selection process. You're going to choose, hopefully, a partner vendor at the end of the process. There's a lot of learning along the way. And I think we found this as well, you know, even for tenders where we have not been successful, we still develop very good relationships with these companies. We learn a lot from each other. We always walk away from any tender you know, having learned something about the process. So yeah, I just think, you know, sometimes companies don't like to share a lot. Uh, They, you know, keep a lot of information really close to their chest for whatever reason. Maybe they're worried about data breach or sharing the information, especially with policies. Um, But the more information you can give us, the more thorough and well thought out and bespoke to you our response will be. Also, a really interesting uh, request I had in an RFP recently that was excellent. It was one of the best questions I've seen in an RFP in a long time. Um, It was actually a request for a live recorded video of all of our processes and technology to be submitted alongside the RFP. Um, And this was to be from the perspective of anyone who would touch a relocation. So it was an end-to-end kind of case study relocation 
where the organization wanted to understand all the different people who would be involved, how the different um, technology platforms would interact with their employee, how we used our own internal technology to help coordinate these moves. And I think we had about 40 minutes to record it. So it was really, it was a great exercise for us to actually go through this in a step-by-step process. It was an unusual request, but also from a recording point of view, I actually caught up with this particular organization last week um, and we were chatting a little bit about the tender process and the head of mobility was saying, you know, they see a lot of companies when you're going through this process. It's time consuming. You want to make sure you're doing a good overview and, and selection process and really researching all the different companies on the market. But the flip side of that is that you might actually see nine or 10 technology demos. You might see this several times over. You might have several rounds of um, presentations and meetings before you can make that selection process. So actually having this step-by-step process recorded, it was really easy for them to then look back and say, oh, do you know what? We think Cardis said this, but we can't remember they were able to actually go back and look at the video and be like, oh yeah, okay, their technology does this. You know, another company's technology does this. This is how the process works. We all talk about our single points of coordination in our Cardus consultant, but what does that actually mean for different companies? So it was really useful for them to be able to go back and and kind of pressure test what they remembered from each company, because by the time you've done about 30 meetings and seen a whole bunch of different platforms, I think they all kind of blend into one. So yeah, for us, it was a great experience actually recording the video and doing something in a little bit of a different way. And for them, it was really good to be able to make sure that, you know, a few months into the process when everything's blurring together a little bit, they're still able to effectively evaluate um, and correctly evaluate all the different organizations that were participating in that tender. So I'm hoping more companies do that because I think it's a great way to make sure you're correctly recollecting what the different companies are showing you and telling you um, so that you're not potentially making a decision at the end of everything, having thought it was one company who showed you something and actually it was somebody else. So that was probably one of the best um, questions or kind of tender um, responses we've done or I've done personally in the last few months. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear the types of things that make a positive difference during an RFP process. Okay, on to our final question. For companies listening who may be considering going out to RFP this year, what, in your opinion, are the key questions they should be asking their prospective providers? So Ava, what information does a mobility professional absolutely need to know before choosing a relocation services partner? Yeah, thanks, Louise. I have three, I think, very critical things that I would consider absolutely necessary for a company to ask potential vendors as part of this process. And I know Karen mentioned earlier around pricing grids and making like-for-like comparisons. I think ensuring that you are making, we we all say it, the apples-to-apples comparison, but make sure that you are structuring your bid in a way that breaks all of the fees and services down. A really good example of this is coordination fees versus supplier direct costs. So, you know, each relocation company is going to have a slightly different way to price. And by nature, what we price is complex. So I think making, again, sure your pricing grids are as simple as possible and breaking down the fees um, because some companies might bake that coordination fee into one cost, whereas other 
companies might break it out into two separate costs, but making sure that you have a good idea of how each company is pricing will allow you to make a really good apples to apples comparison. I also think it's really important that you have the proposal assumptions from all of your um, participating vendor companies. So we often do have to make a lot of assumptions when it comes to pricing, uh, depending on, again, how much information we've had throughout the, uh, throughout the tender process. We have to make assumptions uh, to be able to provide a thorough and complete pricing uh, proposal. But we want to make sure that you understand exactly what assumptions each company has made. So again, an example of this could be temporary living. Has the provider priced a studio apartment for one night and another has priced a two-bedroom apartment for two nights or without understanding exactly the assumptions and the thought process that each company has made to present those fees, you're not necessarily going to have a really good and thorough idea of what the costs are when you're comparing. And actually, a really interesting question that I've had recently, and I think is such a great question, and I think every single company should ask this question, is ask your vendors about their own competitive differentiators and who they feel is their biggest competition in the marketplace. I think asking this question is really interesting to hear from suppliers how they answer it. And it will tell you how a supplier answers this question will tell you a lot about how they do business and their corporate culture. One, are they happy to actually share the names of some of their competitors with you? I know potentially some companies might not want to be transparent because it means potentially they're adding more competitive bids into a tender process. Are they negative or positive about um, competition in the marketplace? I think, yeah, how a company answers that question around their own competitive differentiators and who they feel is their biggest competition in the marketplace tells you a lot about what that company is like to work with. Um, So yeah, I'm seeing it more and more, but I think that's a really, really critical question for organizations to ask during a tender process. Karen, do you have anything you want to add? Um, Sure. Thanks, Eva. Um, I think it's a difficult one, actually, because there's lots of things that come to mind. So what information does a mobility professional absolutely need to know? So some some of the things that come to mind, things that I've mentioned earlier, they absolutely need to know that the the um, their partner is financially stable and they can fund their program because um, RMCs operate like a bank, and um, so I would put that one top on the list. Next one would probably be um, supply chain, you know, um, needing to fully understand how that relocation company manages their suppliers, how integrated they are with the suppliers. Are they an extension of their team? You know, is there proper information sharing? Can you get real-time data? You know, what type of performance management? How do you deal with, um, you know, uh, escalations? How do they performance manage when um, when services are below SLAs? Role of the consultant, um, you know, what is the role of the consultant within that um, particular relocation company? Do they actually have full responsibility for the end-to-end um, relocation? I think that's absolutely key. Um, and what sort of caliber of consultants are, um, are, are in that organization? So lots of questions um, I would be asking around that. Um, and similarly with the account management team, you know, asking questions about, um, you know, how 
they work with and with clients and the proactivity that comes um, from the the relocation account management team um, to make sure that um, your program stays competitive and you have the best processes in place and you meet your objectives. And then technology probably to, to, to finish with, you know, making sure that the RMC has excellent technology and that it doesn't just look good and nice colors and very flashy, but actually it has a functionality behind it. So those would be mine. Do you know, Karen, on the technology piece, that's actually a really good point. I think a question that um, organizations need to ask through the tender process when looking at vendor technology is whether that's current use and current state technology or future state technology. Um, so I think it's really important to understand if what you're being shown is actually in production now and what you will actually use or if what you're being shown is potentially a future state demonstration of something that's a few months down the line. I think knowing that timeline of actual technology implementation with a potential vendor is also a really critical question to ask. Yeah, totally agree. That is not just on the wish list. Okay, thank you both for sharing your thoughts on today's topic. That was a great discussion, hopefully providing our listeners with some key takeaways as they head out to tender. And thank you all so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to learn more at carters.com or subscribe through your preferred podcast provider. Thank you and take care. <laughs>